0: climate,
1: and what we can do about it all. Welcome to Think Again on Radical Community Radio 3CR. Think Again is produced by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation dedicated to positive social change since the late 1990s. I'm Jacques Boulet, and whilst Jennifer has another day off today, I'm having a conversation with Denise Budge, recently retired from Knox InfoLink. Welcome to the program Denise. Thanks Jacques. Mm. We quite often had conversations or uh, between Jennifer and myself and others about social and community issues, policies, crisis on Think Again and about the unfortunate ways in which the various systems set up to prevent or deal with these issues are failing. Too often also have responses to obvious or not-so-obvious failures of policies, programs or systems actually added to the problems. They are often just temporary or they come with so many restrictions, conditionalities and complexities in the application process for clients or for people who suffer that potential beneficiaries just give up. And as the RoboDebt scandal just taught us, The hidden intentions or the ulterior motives behind the the RoboDebt scandal just taught us that the the, the, the new policies are more to do with spending cuts, budget savings and things like that, and that they rather undermine, rather than improve, the livelihood of intendant, clients, addressees, recipients, or they even fatally damage their lives. In our critique of such situations and complexities, we regularly only manage a broad, sometimes angry, attack against the neoliberal motivations on which such social policies have been based for the last 30 or 40 years. So in a half hour we have a think-again, we rarely have time to make or illustrate the connection between political, and economic interests and decisions and their consequences on the ground for people's lives. So today I'm having a conversation with Denise Budge to give listeners some of the detail. Denise has just retired from more than three decades of working in the sector, as we now are being referred to, ending her career as centre manager, of Knox Infolink, a member agency of Community Information and Support Victoria, (CISVic), So welcome again to the program, Denise. Just so listeners get an idea of the width and the breadth of your experience and background, could you just briefly give us an overview of your experiences in the so-called social welfare sector?
0: Thanks, Jacques. Um, Look, I have um, been in the sector for 37 years. And I started off 30-odd years ago as a consumer and tenant advocate, uh, assisting people in the Outer East, providing information and education on their rights and responsibilities, and ultimately, when that was not enough, uh, providing conciliation or Mm -hmm. advocacy Mm -hmm. on their behalf to fight for their rights. And I, I remember that years ago... Um, it things, the consumer issues have become way more complex as we've moved into a more materialistic world and mm. sophisticated scams and, you know, ripping off consumers. So things have changed dramatically mm. over the years. Uh, unfortunately, tenants, um, the issues they were struggling with um, years ago, pretty the, much the same, repair mm-hmm. issues, mm-hmm. illegal evic- evictions, affordability, availability. But what has changed is the extremely tight rental market that we're experiencing mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. and the exploding cost of living, mm-hmm. um, increasing rents. Um, I then moved in to management uh, on the, with that service, and I had the opportunity to participate in sector lobbying in relation to okay. updating the Residential Tenancies Act, Introdu- Introduction Agents mm-hmm, Act, mm-hmm, Weight Loss Code, Building Act, Consumer Credits, which was a great opportunity mm. to ha- actually give a voice to the consumers mm. about what they actually need. Yep. Um, we then managed to survive through the Kennet years only <laughs> just with a lot of cutting and slashing that there was and a, a huge shift away from social and welfare support. Um, and unfortunately, the the community consumer and tenancy um, uh, services were decimated mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm years later, and they moved to a centralised model and all of those community-based agencies closed, which was an absolute tragedy. Mm -hmm. I then moved on to the Financial and Consumer Rights Council for a couple of years, working as their policy officer, and the focus was on raising awareness about the issues of Mm -hmm. poverty. I then had a brief break, um, resigned to attend my ageing Parents' health needs, and then I joined the Eastern Community Legal Centre. Started off with a bit of project work, and then six months later, I took on the role of manager of their new Outer East office. And we expanded that to include an office in Hillsville to address the issues of those people living remotely, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. the further out you get, the less services That's there right. are. Exactly. You, you, transport is always a it mm. is always an issue. And over the years, what I did see as a shift was a big focus on family violence. Oh, okay. So, um, and there were a lot of specialist programs that were developed and an intervention order support program for the magistrate's court. But the community legal centre sector focuses on your bread and butter things like um, uh, separation, divorce, uh, contact arrangements for children, motor vehicle accidents, fines, wills, neighbourhood disputes, credit and debt matters and other civil matters. Mm. Um, But what did change was... With the focus on family violence in those days, it was also, we were aware that elder abuse was an underlying okay. issue. Yeah. Yeah that was not getting a lot of um, airing, airing yeah. at yeah. all. Yeah. Um, people were sort of pushing that aside like yeah. they used to yeah. with family yeah. violence. Yeah. And um, I'm I'm very happy to say that the first Eastern Elder Abuse Network was developed at Eastern Community Legal Centre. And after I left in 2016, I'm aware that considerably more funding mm-hmm. was uh, secured to address elder abuse issues. Okay. So... And then finally, um, I ended up for six and a half years as the manager at Knox InfoLink, mm-hmm. who is a member of, as you mentioned, the Community Information and Support Victoria, which is mm-hmm. the peak body for about 50 agencies who do similar work to Knox InfoLink. Mm-hmm. Knox InfoLink is the largest provider of food relief and material aid in the local government Mm -hmm. area of Knox Mm -hmm. and we provide a grassroots service to the most vulnerable in the community. Mm -hmm. And as distressing and uh, and heartbreaking as it can be to hear the struggles Mm -hmm. of the most vulnerable, it has also been the most rewarding organisation that I have been able to work for.
1: That's lovely to hear.
0: Um, it has it been amazing to work with such a, It's a small, small team mm-hmm. of staff, mm-hmm. but um, before COVID, it was a much larger team of volunteers, but the dedication and commitment, the empathy mm-hmm. and the willingness to look at each individual mm-hmm. separately mm-hmm. and not stereotype them, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. was the most rewarding. Yeah. So it's been a, an mm-hmm. interesting Korea.
1: Thanks for that really personal as well as almost like political political overview of the last 30 years or so. You already started to talk about housing at the beginning. So let's have a look at that one area where you have had a lot of experience in and that's housing. Housing regularly hits the news headlines. It's the sort of the Australian dream everyone is, is supposed to pursue. Uh, but for many, it means having no shelter at all not being able to afford a home. And then there's those that have really, if you think about it, too many properties. And they make enormous amounts of money out of that via the rental system. How how have you experienced
0: the changes during the time you have been involved, particularly in the housing area? Sure. Well, as I s- mentioned in my other response, the actual issues for tenants hasn't changed very much, unfortunately. You know, you mm. did... Addi- dealing with substandard housing, repairs, all of those things. Um, There have been reforms to the Residential Tenancies Act over the years Mm -hmm, and some would say that's been in the favour of the tenant, but I'm not sure that tenants would feel the same way. (laughs) Not sure they feel um, any more secure than Mm -hmm. what they did 30 years ago. I would agree. And look, it's frustrating that many of the issues are the same, trying to get your bond back. But in this current point in time, what has changed is the availability and the affordability of housing. Mm -hmm. And back in the day when I was a tenant advocate, if my memory serves me correctly, the vacancy rate was something like 3 plus percent, Mm -hmm. which meant that there were a lot more properties available for tenants to apply for. Today, the vacancy rate is 0.9 percent, less Than one percent, mm-hmm. and it's so the the it is fierce competition. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much harder to get a property, mm-hmm. and of course the cost of rent is exploding roof, as as well. So yeah. we've got this issue of supply and demand because yes. the supply is low. Mm-hmm. They can afford to yeah. increase the rents. That's right. Plus the fact that um, you know the um, uh, mortgages are increasing. So there's that pressure on it as well. And just as a little example of how unaffordable Mm -hmm. it is, Mm -hmm. as an example, the median rent for a two-bedroom unit in the Outer East, which I'm sure is similar to other Mm -hmm. areas, um, is $420 per week. So as an example, if you're a single person on JobSeeker Seeker. Mm -hmm. You receive around about $693 Mm -hmm. a fortnight with the potential of up to $157 in rent Mm -hmm. assistance. Mm -hmm. So at max, you'd get about $850 a fortnight. If you do the maths, at $420 a week, you're left with $10 Mm -hmm. a fortnight for food and bills it doesn't work. So people are forced into share accommodation. That's
1: right, going through the roof if you have a roof.
0: That's right. So mm. so people are forced to look at share accommodation just to be able to afford a roof over their head. That's right. And for many, sharing is not really an option. Some yeah. people don't... Mm. Their mental health... Is not conducive mm-hmm. to sharing and living with mm. other people. Yeah, our
1: individualistic if, society doesn't allow.
0: That's right. A lot
1: of the kinds of things. Look,
0: it's even hard when mm. you're living with the person you're supposed to love. Right. Sometimes, <laughs> so when you're living in a in a group mm. home with people you don't really know, it can be very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and back in the day, rooming houses were a cheaper option mm-hmm. for people. Mm-hmm. But they're not that much cheaper oh, than yeah. rent. That's right. That's right. Granted, back in the day, yeah. the conditions of rooming houses were appalling mm-hmm. and I, I am happy to say that that has improved with some minimum stand, standards being introduced. But it's... But it's, the numbers
1: have gone down as well, haven't yes, they? Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: and, and for many people, yeah. sleeping rough is a better option for them than going into rooming houses or sharing with yes, other people. Yes, yes. And that—that that is a terrible situation mm-hmm. to be in. Mm-hmm. Or we've got people that are uh, living in overcrowded mm-hmm. situations. Yep, yep. So places like Knox InfoLink mm-hmm. are at the front line supporting mm-hmm. people to manage homelessness mm. as best what they can yeah, with sleeping yeah. bags and tents mm. and food that's suitable mm. for not mm. cooking in a home. Um, look, and the other thing is that we see that the unemployment rate mm. is dropping, mm. mm-hmm. which sounds great, but are people actually in full-time work? Mm. Yes. Or is a part-time work and they're still struggling? And I have to say that our experience is that that statistic is they're mm. employed. That's right. But when we support them in our services, they're underemployed and mm. they're still struggling. Right. So they can't make ends meet. So they have to rely yeah. on services and, and like wages, us. And wages. And only. wages. Yeah. Just, yep.
1: just thinking a little bit away from the very personal kinds of experience, what do you think is the more, let's call it structural or systemic Reasons for all of that.
0: What, what do you make out of it? Look, um, just
1: very briefly, because
0: that's probably a discussion for five hours. Yeah. Look, I, I'm, I'm no um, policy or pol- political expert, but I think the structural issue is that there has been an absolute shift in the responsibility okay. of looking after mm-hmm. those in need. Yep. That government mm-hmm. is without saying it publicly, Mm -hmm. is pushing the responsibility of supporting those in need Mm -hmm. to family members or the community sector and those issues Mm -hmm. and not actually addressing the systemic issues that uh, wages are not keeping Mm -hmm. pace Mm -hmm. with the Mm -hmm. increasing costs. Centrelink benefits Mm -hmm. are just not... Adequate. Adequate enough. Mm-hmm. So you've got, and the, the lack of housing mm-hmm. is, yep. you know, even if you had the money, there's just not enough housing mm-hmm. available. And
1: I always find that there is not enough variety of housing options. That's like right. The cooperative sector is totally underdeveloped. The social housing is just a new idea and everything which was public, used to be called public housing, is now shifted into social housing and doesn't make a difference really except that it is more expensive for yes. and more regulated as well.
0: And look, you know, mm-hmm. I, I am very aware that we all have different needs for mm-hmm. our housing mm-hmm. and yeah. many, many years ago those that are vintage Similar to me, would remember um, that there were mental health institutions where people were yeah. uh, housed, and then it was decided that they should live out in the community. Yeah. Yeah. But the supports for them yeah. have not been enough to make living independently. Mm-hmm. Successful, yeah. And you'll often find that um, people that are homeless mm-hmm. um, are experiencing <laughs> mental health issues and right. they're homeless because they don't have the supports and skills yeah. that they need to be able That's to live right. independently yeah, yeah, yeah. and because we don't have enough social supports yeah, yeah. funded yeah. To, to do this. That's correct. Let's sink that in for a while and listen to what uh, uh, uh,
1: Kevin, uh, Kevin Carmody has to say, dirty dollars. Thank you. to think again 3cr 855 uh, am on your dial 3cr digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au today we're talking about the state of the australian welfare state we have been discussing the abysmal state of the housing sector in australia just before the break dealing with homelessness affordability and pointing at the role the neoliberal ideology and policies have played in this Denise Badge, formerly from Knox InfoLink, is talking with me and will move to some of the other welfare areas you have been involved in, Denise, including community legal services, especially ensuring fair access to legal aid for people without the means to pursue their rights or defend themselves. How has the context within which justice should be accessible for everyone changed and what have you
0: witnessed in your work in this
1: area and in other areas?
0: Thanks, Shark. Um Look, the um, community legal centre sector um, stretches across Victoria and I haven't been working in that sector for about seven years, So, mm-hmm. but I am aware of one of the issues that their peak body, the Federation of Community Legal mm-hmm. Centres, is concerned about is that due to COVID... Uh, and the lockdowns, there has been heightened levels of family mm. violence mm. and elder abuse, and their concern is that they are not going to be able to meet the demands that they anticipate, mm. that they're going to, they quote a figure of about twenty thousand that they would have to turn away. Mm. Now pe- everybody is entitled to, access to free legal advice mm-hmm. and particularly mm-hmm. if you have no means to pay for it, you are just creating a worse situation That's right. um, mm-hmm. and that then becomes a greater burden on mm-hmm. on the community and government because mm-hmm. your your if your legal issues are not being addressed, then your mental health is probably deteriorating, yes. then you're going to end up relying on yep. mental health services more, um, cascade. Your, yep. your debts are going to... Balloon, it it is important that we can address all of these things mm-hmm. quickly mm-hmm. and efficiently. but i I have to say that sometimes the structures in government are barriers in themselves. Oh, yes, um, yes. you know, to qualify for, whether it be legal aid or to access Centrelink benefits. They make it so complicated and so hard mm-hmm. that for people that are struggling, it's, it's almost impossible yeah, and they will yeah. give up rather than pursue it. And if they can't access a legal service to give them the, the support they yep. might need to access that, then we end up as a sector, the emergency relief sector, mm-hmm. providing Band-Aid services of because course. their situation has deteriorated to, mm-hmm. to yes. then mean that they are one of those most vulnerable people in the community That's and right. we're... Pro- trying to provide supports Mm -hmm. to help feed them, house them, Mm -hmm. link them into mental health services, use our caseworkers to help them negotiate with accessing other support services, whether Mm -hmm. it be Mm -hmm. a legal service. So the whole nobody ever has one issue. Mm -hmm. That's right. When life turns Mm -hmm. to lemons... you can be guaranteed Mm -hmm. that people will be experiencing a range of Mm -hmm. issues Uh, and it's imperative for the community sector, all areas of the community sector, to work efficiently and well together Mm -hmm. so -hmm. that we're not Mm -hmm. operating in silos, that each of us are funded adequately so that we can meet the demands Mm -hmm. that are exploding and unfortunately with this cost of living increases yeah. i i can't see things getting better yeah, yeah. for quite some time
1: yeah and you have also noticed i'm sure uh, the uh, privatization of many of those services oh yeah.
0: ab- absolutely so when we go back to the 1990s mm-hmm. That all our utilities were privatised. So, therefore, all the government controls of of pricing and protections that we had went out the window, and we're Mm -hmm. left to the mercy of the private. Uh, <laughs> yes, indeed, and that is motivated mm-hmm. by profit. Of course. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I granted, the um, state government are making a push for the rebirth of mm-hmm. the State Electricity Commission, yep. which yep. is a step in the right direction, mm-hmm. but it's not going to address the mm-hmm. issues today. No. And, no. and people need more supports mm-hmm. today. We mm-hmm. need more financial supports. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, the power-saving bonus is great, mm-hmm but we need more because that's only a, a small it's a yes yeah. Yeah. it's only a small token to yeah. offset right. the the yeah. exploding costs yeah. so we need the government mm-hmm. to look mm-hmm. at funding services yeah. 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 adequately to yeah. provide these supports exactly. exactly and what
1: any other kind of uh, things on your agenda uh, oh for well look i have
0: I have to say that our peak body community information support, Victoria, is lobbying the government uh, for paid coordination in each of our services because the state Mm. government does not fund us. And we all stayed open through COVID Mm. face-to-face services for Mm. many Mm. Mm. and supported those in Victoria. Mm. We need state government to step up and fund our services adequately so that we can do the job that we need to to support people and that
1: collaboration across the sectors and across the funded and not funded uh, absolutely uh, that that becomes a possibility isn't it yeah yes in indeed so
0: (laughs) and and certainly covid impacted our services with losing so many volunteers yes yes and and They're running on the smell of an oily rag and people are exposed to burnout because they're doing way more than Mm -hmm. they're paid or volunteers should do. Um, Certainly as Knox InfoLink, you've got volunteers that used to do half a shift a week, half a day. And they're working two full days Mm. and they're volunteering and they're dealing with people who, who are in in the most vulnerable position, mm. distressed right. heartbreaking stories. Yeah. Ever- and they're yeah. and they're hearing this yeah. and, as ever- a volunteer.
1: And the situations of people of people are in are becoming so much more complex as yes. you, as you yeah. said before. So that means without without having a variety of help available, that yep. means that the 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 capability of volunteers is expected to be so much higher than oh, they ever had. I, yeah. Absolutely, I, yeah.
0: I would say that in the private mm, sector, mm. if we compared the job descriptions of some of our volunteers with some paid people in the private yep, sector, yep. they'd say, "Well, nobody should be volunteering doing that. That absolutely. should be a paid. That should yeah, be a yeah, paid yeah, position." Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So we're coming slowly, well, rapidly, <laughs> to the end of our program, Denise. So thank you so much for coming to the studio and discussing some of those central concerns about the need to restore our welfare state in Australia. I I hope that those able to change the situation from above, that they are actually listening to us or have been listening to us, what would be your your suggestion uh, to actually restore some of that Again, going back to volunteering, uh, going back to community development or the development of community, as I prefer to call it, what would be your hopes and suggestions? uh? Well,
0: as I said, fund the sector adequately Mm. and then make volunteering Mm. a desirable um activity mm. because people that are volunteers can give so much mm-hmm. they come mm-hmm. with so many wonderful skills and yep. and personal experiences yeah, yeah, that yeah. enrich the lives of mm. everybody around totally. them but it is too hard mm-hmm. at the moment mm-hmm. we need we need to have the sector mm-hmm. funded mm-hmm. more adequately so State government, if you're listening, you you need to fund <laughs> yeah. um, the community information Centres support. Yes, and, more adequately and yeah. across the board for yeah. other support services. Uh, and
1: I would add on to that to the funding again community development initiatives. Yes. Because that was something which totally disappeared with Kenneth, I think. Yes. It was broadly back, sort of brought back a little bit under uh, the, the, what's it called, Brax government, but it was just. Experimental. There was nothing durable there. Mm. I figure community development ought to be coming back very much.
0: Absolutely, from ground up. This mm. is where we. This is where <laughs> we learn, exactly. rather than from top down. Totally,
1: totally. So thanks so much, uh, Denise, for being here and sharing your thoughts with us and Thank- with our listeners. Thanks again for, we actually think that that was a community service announcement in its own right. So thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio with Jacques Boulay and today with Denise Budge. Remember, if you want to send us a message or ask anything from today's programme, email borderlands borders at borderlands.org.au. Just put Think Again in the subject line. Our programmes are available on podcast via your preferred podcast app or on the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. Stay tuned for the following programme, Jailbreak, which gives a voice to prison inmates, their families and friends. And to bring us into this programme, enjoy a bit of Milkomana Manor by King Stingray.